0: Hey everybody, we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. I am your host, Mike Birbiglia, and I am working it out with different guests and creators each week. Uh, I got some big uh, exciting news. I'm on a tour. I'm uh, I'm going to Cape Cod Melody Tent, which is the place I first saw stand-up comedy as a teenager. Um, I'm going to be in New Haven and Philadelphia and Bloomington, Indiana and Chicago and just... Denver. We just added a show in Milwaukee because so many people were reaching out about that. Austin, Texas. Boston. Uh, all of it's on burbigs.com, and you can join uh, my mailing list because that's that's the best way to find out about this stuff. Also, uh, the paperback of the new one book that I wrote with my wife, the poet Jay Hope Stein, comes out on paperback on September seventh, and I'm doing one of my virtual shows. Uh, that I very rarely do, but they were so, so fun. I'm doing it on September 10th for all of the purchasers of the paperback uh, that week, if you get it at your local indie bookstore. And so if you go to a local indie bookstore, tell them to message me from their, their bookstore account. Message me at per bigs on Instagram, and I'm going to try to get a lot of local bookstores involved. At, you know, it doesn't cost them anything. It's just... To uh, to to have a fun virtual show for all of our working it out friends uh, today we have uh, w- uh, one of my favorite people one of my favorite performers and favorite collaborators of all time Keegan Michael Key Keegan Michael Key is uh, part of the legendary sketch comedy duo Key and Peele he is an Emmy award winning performer, actor. He was in my film, Don't Think Twice, which is now on Hulu. And he is on a, in a new uh, series that I love. It's a musical series on Apple Plus called Schmigadoon. It's so funny, it's so joyous. It's with him and Cecily Strong. I can't say enough about it. Uh, we really get into it today. I've been waiting to do this one for a long time. Enjoy my conversation. Egan Michael Key. We're so first of all, well, we have so much history, so there's a lot to unpack, uh, a lot of, lot of fun <laughs> stuff to unpack. Ho- however, what's funny is we actually met at the. The once ever and only NBC Comedy (laughs) Awards. The
1: American Comedy Awards. The American Comedy Awards. (laughs) NBC.
0: Key and Peele won uh, for Best Direction in a Comedy Series, Peter Atencio. Oh, good. That's right. And so I went up to you and Jordan and I go, (laughs) go, I'm Mike. I love your show. (laughs) Bye. You know. So my, how annoying is that on a scale of one to ten? Just the, just the blindsided by compliments and then the person leaves. <laughs> it was a straight hit and run. You were just mm-hmm. like a hit and run. It was like yeah, yeah. I
1: remember that night. I remember that night because it was in. It wasn't in the battery. We were like. Uh,
0: it was something like that. It was one of those big. I keep saying like Hammers- Hammersmith. I, uh, or, it was Hammers Hammersmith.
1: Hammersmith, Hammersmith, That's where it was. And I remember uh, Jordan and I did. Like you know, we did an Obama Luther thing. We performed an yep. Obama Luther thing, and I remember Jordan. Jordan performed admirably <laughs> because he did not have his glasses and he did not have contacts, and it was wow. and he, and he was struggling with the um, prompter, but you, nobody would have known. It was great. It was really he did. Wow. He, yeah.
0: Wait. So. So he usually uses prompter and is sort of reading off. Of, yeah, with, we with to, whenever we did those Obama Luther pieces,
1: always a prompter, just so we could get through that part of the day quicker. Because Whoa. every day on Key and Peele, you're shooting two. I think the number ended up being two to two point three scenes a day. So wow. that one, you always knew. Oh, one setup. Keegan's going to run, run around like a madman, and we have a prompter. So let's lock it and just get it done. So you could get that done in like two hours or less so that you could go wow. get into Egyptian Tutankhamun makeup <laughs> or Roman oh gladiator gosh. or, you know, Army commando and whatever whatever the other scene was going to be. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So to bring people into this, this is, of course, a very famous Obama translator sketch yes. that, that was fa- made famous on, uh, 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 by you and your partner Jordan on Camp Peel. And I believe, I want to say you did it either at the White House correspondence dinner? I did. Or like something, you did it for Obama. I did it. And the interesting thing is, I did it with Obama, for Obama, no and way. with
1: Obama. That's what it yes. was crazy is that I, I, and I said to Jordan, I was talking to one of Obama's um, uh, speechwriters, and he's the guy that yeah. wrote, the, wrote the copy. And he was like, hey, would you, be, would you be interested in doing something where you play Luther at the correspondence dinner? And I'm like, 100%. We've got time. Please, let's do it. I want to do it. Yes. And so um, but so he's like, well, let's think up an idea. And my first thought was to have dueling Obamas, was to have Jordan yes. appear and, you know, have him uh, do his thing while Obama <laughs> was doing you know. And then Jordan, to his credit, humbling credit, is that he was like, he goes, I don't think I should be in it. He said, I think it mucks up the works. And I went, how do yes. you mean? He goes, I just feel like it's – I think his words were, it's almost like this is the first time in history that a character is coming to life from its actual conceit. Does that make sense? Like, he goes, why should I be there? You're actually going to be Obama's anger translator for Obama. Like, let's try to keep it as simple as possible. And I was like, "Okay, whatever you say. And and it was it was sublime. It's one of the greatest moments one of the it, greatest moments
0: of my it life. Was, it's it's completely incredible. Of course it's it's foreshadowing for Jordan leaving being in front of the camera. camera. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. He's like Keegan, he's like, Keegan, maybe I won't Do be it. in this one and I won't be on camera ever again, ever. Or or within six hundred
1: miles of you. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or within twenty six hundred miles of you. I mean, and then, and then, yeah, what do we, what, you're right, it's foreshadowed. What do we know? And then in, in, in three years' time, he became the Black Stanley Kubrick. So, oh my it's gosh, like, I know. Mean, you know. Unbelievable. I just think he's, he's superb. He's just superb. I, I couldn't, I, I, I was very, very fortunate to have a partner like him for all those years, you know.
0: With your screen chemistry with Jordan, you can just feel that you're friends. Mm-hmm. You can feel what friendship looks like in a frame.
1: It's, it's literally uh, Ian Roberts, one of the founders of the Uni- uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Who was one of our executive producers? We were in an early meeting, and we were we we're jumping back and forth and discussing all these things with um, with um, Comedy Central about what they wanted us to do during the interstitial part of the show. So they're like, "Okay, when we come back to you guys live on the stage on the home base, you guys guys write material about." being biracial mm-hmm. and write material about how you're friends. And write, and so we, we started to try to go in that direction. And, and Jordan was really good about having his antenna up. Like, here's how Keegan reacts to somebody when we're at a restaurant. Here's how I react to somebody when we're at a restaurant. Now, uh, uh, fortunately for Comedy Central, there was a period of time where Jordan and I lived together. We lived together for about three months. Yeah. And and um, so we did have some anecdotes about each other's proclivities and, and all this wonderful stuff. But at the end... It was, the, it was this chemistry that you were just speaking about. That's what yeah. people appreciated. That's what people liked is watching us make, make each other
0: have a glint in our eye or full, fill the other one's heart with, yeah. with uh, joy or love. This blew my mind. When we were working on Don't Think Twice, you would have people come up to you on the street and sometimes they would say, you're the guy from YouTube. Yep, yep. You're from the, from the sketches on YouTube. Yep. Because they didn't make the connection that it's Comedy Central, that it's a TV series. Mm-hmm. There were viral YouTube videos from Key & Peele that people thought you were just friends making videos. That's right. They made up their own narrative for it. I, 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 I bumped into a girl
1: on the streets of Portland, Oregon, and she was so proud that she had discovered us on YouTube.
0: She yes, act- it was her. She did, she did discover you in fairness. She, said, right, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she
1: did discover us she on YouTube. Was- but she actually made up a narrative in her mind. She said, I used to watch you guys on those YouTube videos before you had your show. Amazing. And I decided best not don't, 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 Amazing. don't correct her. Don't correct her. Let her, yeah. ha- let her have that. I love that. Yeah. And um, I'm saying that, but I think I did correct her. But, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but. But because because at that time Comedy Central they were like what is going on I'm like maybe we don't need to tinker with the narrative who cares you know who cares doesn't matter who cares we're having fun
0: you yeah the way that the way that you speak of each other is so lovingly and I I, I admire it so much it's like with like the Obama translator sketch and with Key and Peel sketches which are so uh, timeless like my my feeling about that show is that. Not only is it funny, but it was funny when it came out, and it's funny now. And there's oh, so man. few things that you can say that for in comedy. And I wonder if that is based on anything that you and Jordan decided as, like, the rules of the game in terms of creating. No, actually, we didn't. That, was, that ended up being...
1: Um, the rules of the game were a product of necessity as the mother of invention. That's be- yeah. Because when we knew that we were going to have a 13-week writing process because we really want, as Jordan would put it, I want these scenes to be bulletproof. I want us to be able to play around and have fun and improvise, but I want them to be bulletproof. So at the very least, conceptually, they should be bulletproof so that we we can weave around inside of them, have a little bit of space. The first season, Mike, we barely improvised. I mean, that really, oh, No, we barely improvised. Yeah, we were, we were like, let's just let's try to nail this. And Jordan had a lot of confidence in himself and he should have because he was he was really coming into the height of his powers as a writer, as a sketch writer. Yeah. So when we realized we had 13 weeks of writing and then a month of pre-production before we ever got to the set, anything that we were going to say about the, the potential of presidential candidates or whatever the case is going to be we knew would be stale and gone by the time we started shooting yes. it and and, yes. and then another another 5 weeks of editing so it we, we, it, it was mu- it was just by necessity that we had to make as many evergreen scenes as we possibly could and then when we dabbled in politics it was always to attack a larger theme as opposed yeah. to rip from the headlines you know it, it was yes. th- that so so that's that's the Really, that's the only way to answer that question, is that it, it, we had not consciously thought about it before the show. We weren't thinking about it when we wrote the pilot. We started yeah. thinking about it afterwards. After, once we got into the logistics of everything, you went, oh, man, we can't write a lot of topical stuff.
0: It's amazing because it's, it's in direct contrast to you hosting SNL this spring, <laughs> yes. which was amazing also. And thank you, and
1: Mike, I- for being there. It was very, very, It was very special for you to be there. And
0: I'm glad. And <laughs> yeah. I'm glad
1: that you 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 could uh, to have you there in my corner and cheering.
0: Yeah, that it's um, well, you were generous enough to invite me, and it's of course this weird life imitating art again of don't think twice yeah. imitating life, uh, li- imitating art like in a like in a weird circle. I mean, I have to say, like that was one of the best nights of my life. One of the best nights of your life. It's one of the best nights wow. of my life because. Well, because, you know, you work on these movies for years. Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah. So don't think twice. It, you know, it comes out, you know, five years ago, whatever it is, and people see it and they have a good experience mm-hmm, with it mm-hmm. or they don't, and that's it. But the people who make the movie, who wrote the movie <laughs> and directed the movie, they spent years on it. I mean, I, I know people who worked on movies for like nine, ten years oh, sure, before the movie comes sure. out. Jordan, get out. Get out yeah. was an eight-year process for him.
1: And how, well, how long was Don't Think Twice of a process for you?
0: Le- it was at least three or four ah. years of writing. And I'm even writing a movie right now that people don't know about that I've been working on for at least three years. Sure. And that's, and, that's high and, school. And, yeah. That's the yeah. entire <laughs> high school life. That's <laughs> high school. <laughs> it's in many, more ways than one, it's high school. It's petty. <laughs> it's, people call you a loser. People, right, exactly. You're being criticized <laughs> constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So when I say it's, like, one of my like, greatest nights in my life is, like, I grew up on SNL, mm-hmm. like you probably did, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I admired it so much. And then I did improv, I did sketch as an adult, and in college, and then I made this movie about how, essentially, life isn't always fair and, and sort of one person, your character in the movie, becomes cast on Saturday Night Live. And then the rest of the friends played by Chris Gethard and Tammy Sager and, and, Cucci and, 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 and Kim Coochie and Gillian and yeah, Jacobs become don't. And it's about what happens in friendships when that happens ah. and people realize that life isn't fair. And so for for me to be with you for essentially like a fulfillment of a prophecy in some ways, weirdly. Yeah. Um it was, I mean, of course it's not because you're a, in. You know, you're know, a sketch comedy icon. So, oh, it, of course you'd be on SNL. And that's why part of the reason I cast you in the first place was one of the key parts of casting that movie was that the person who gets cast on the Saturday Night Live type of show we, we called Weekend Live had to be good enough to be cast on Saturday Night Live. Right, right. <laughs> it was, it, that uh, for me, that was a deal breaker. You can't make the movie otherwise. Right, right. Interesting. I don't know, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I wouldn't have told you this before we shot the movie, in terms of being weirdly in your head or whatever, but um, I would do readings of that script in my living room with friends. Right, right, pizza. And like my friend, like my yeah, we'd have pizza and all this stuff. And, uh, and my friend Yorma Takone from Lonely Island. Who I've been friends mm-hmm. with the same, many years. He goes, uh, you have to play Jack, which is Keegan's part, we became your part. You have to play Jack. I go, no, no, no. I'm not talented enough to play Jack. <laughs> we need someone who could do it the same way that when you have someone play a concert pianist they need to be either a concert pianist or to be able to fake it so much right 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 that you believe it right and, and i didn't know it was Jorma's
1: idea that mm. you play jack i didn't know that
0: yeah 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 that was he was like you can't it was really funny he go he pulled me aside privately after one of the readings and he goes you can't give this part to somebody <laughs> I you can't give you can't give it to somebody. It's too good. It's too fun. No one he basically goes, no one's ever gonna cast you in this part. So, oh, is that was that, was that his sentiment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even like, yeah, being the sort of leading man yeah, yeah, and all this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh you gotta give it to yourself. Because as actors, you know, we always are from the position of like, well, if I can play it, then I should play it kind of right, thing. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. It's interesting because you're a writer and creator. And producer in your own right, and then you're also an actor. And so, it must be hard for you sometimes. Like you're in Schmegadune as an actor. You know, you're in ca- you know countless films and TV shows as an actor. Playing House, which I love you. Oh, in. that's um, a lot of fun. Oh, it's so good. So much fun. And and uh, those are works where you have the script, and they they want you to hit your mark, mm-hmm. and they want you to to sing the song, do the lines, etc. And <laughs> Are you, how are you able to compartmentalize those two things? Or are you able to compartmentalize those two things? I,
1: I, I am actually. There are times when uh, the learning curve is gradual, and there are times yeah. when the learning curve is sudden. So for Schmigadoon, like I just, yeah. I, the project that's uh, out on Apple TV Plus right now that so I'm in, Schmigadoon, which you were a part of. Uh, in, yeah, in, I was in, part of the readings. In the, in, in the embryonic readings. stages. What's interesting yeah. is I. Uh, That was um, a bit of a more gradual process because Cecily Strong and I, who are the leads, were both trained improvisers. uh, And and we would improvise during scenes quite often and usually at the end of scenes to to the point where we actually gave ourselves a nickname. We called ourselves the Button Twins because, you know, the (laughs) the button of a scene is the end of a scene. And like Cinco Paul, the writer, who's an extremely accomplished writer and a very gifted man, um, would write a blow to a scene. He would write the end of the scene, this is going to be the last joke, and button, and we're done, and blackout, we move yep. to the next scene. And yep. inevitably, you could see <laughs> me and Cecily walking off camera, <laughs> walk off camera and still be talking like, like I'd say yes. something like, that's your, um, okay, that's on you. I'm like, no, I know it's on me. Yes. She goes, no, I'm just making sure you know. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware. Can we just leave? And, and we know all that's going to be cut, but we couldn't help yes. ourselves. So it was a gradual process till finally I said to Cinco, I'm here for you, I want to say your words, and and it took a little bit of adjustment, and then you have to kind of, like you said, it's um, it's compartmentalizing, it's shutting that door a little bit, so that you can yeah. move over here and go, okay, so what I call it is the Shakespeare door, so you're going to treat this script like it's Shakespeare. Yep. Uh, on uh, You honor the commas and the semicolons and the periods and all the words, and you... You, you imbue as much meaning as you can into the words that are there. That's the game you're playing on this project. On, yeah. a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on this project, you're just picking the flowers. On other yeah. projects, you're planting the seeds, you're tilling the soil, you're watering the seeds. Yeah. You're, you're, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of how I do it. It's, I call it, in my brain, I, I, mean, I say I call it, I just made up the term. I call it the <laughs> Shakespeare door, which is you're gonna treat this like Shakespeare or you're gonna treat it as something that's malleable.
0: Stepping away from my conversation with the great Keegan-Michael Key to send a shout-out to the great Helix Mattresses. Oh, looks like somebody's going to be nominated for Segway of the Year. Uh, I do love Helix Mattresses. Uh, As you know, I don't endorse things I don't like. (laughs) It's, uh, It's because I'm a very stubborn, stubborn person, and I don't like getting on here and telling you something's great if it's not great. I'm telling you, Helix mattresses are great. That's right. I'm selling mattresses. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our working it out listeners at helixsleep.com slash burbigs. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and they are gonna they're gonna be number one mattress in your house in 2021. And now back to the show. So with SNL and, and & Peel, like they're two sides of the same coin in the sense that they're both sketch comedy and genre. Mm-hmm. And one of them is we create a whole 70 minutes of live comedy <laughs> yes. in one week, and the yes. other is we are going to carefully uh, film and write and, craft. and edit this thing yeah. every t- down to the last moment. And it's going to be absolute perfection. And what do, you en- like, what do you enjoy more and why? I actually enjoy,
1: I, I think, Mike, I can safely say that I enjoy them equally. They really yeah. are, it's apples and unicorns, even though, uh, but they both live in the same <laughs> magical land. Cor- yeah you know, right. but I think the the energy the energy that I constantly crave that I was experiencing on Saturday night Live
0: yeah. is
1: something that would happen sporadically during key and Peel. That yeah. was the thing is there were days so in key and Peel, for example, if there were scenes like The valets, the two valets who park the cars and they stand out in front of the the expensive hotel and talk about movies and Liam Neeson's and Bruce Willie and all this (laughs) stuff. Those were lock off, those are what Jordan and I uh, uh, coined. We coined a term called peas in a pod scenes or lock lock off P and P's, meaning it's gonna be small size, (laughs) big size, and then the two of us just screwing around for five minutes until
0: Peter says cut. And, And, And when you say small size, big size, you're just meaning uh, it's a basic a basic camera setup of a wide yep, and yep. a medium of the exact same shot, and yep. so you can do whatever you want. Whatever we want, run in yeah. and out of the frame, do
1: somersaults in, yeah. get super yeah. close, and then every now and again in those sketches, we'd say to Peter, ooh, I just think maybe in this one moment, if we had a medium close-up, it'd be great, because I think we're going to get our faces really close to each other. And then Peter yeah. would go, oh, okay, and we would do like one more little sneaky camera in the front that would get a, a close-up shot. But but then there's also a lot of joy, Mike, in scenes where all the uh, comedy is happening on the cuts, on the edits. Yeah. That's like Schmigadoon is like that. That that's yes. Barry Sonnenfeld is like. I find the comedy technically, technically, yes. and um, um, it, it, I love people who exist in that tradition. But again, in regard to compartmentalizing, you have to you have to be thinking long game when you're doing yes. sketches like that because you have to go. Imagine a Mike Myers movie. You you, you know that Mike Myers is always thinking forward to go, I know what it's gonna look like ultimately when it's in the theater. And I think it's gonna really make people laugh and crack up. But we have to do it precisely this way now to get it right in the edit. So when when a viewer sees it, they'll crack up. Whereas with SNL, it's so seat of your pants. It's so so frenetic and so high energy. And, yeah. and, 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 and there's part of it is I like the fact that you really don't have a lot of time to question stuff. It's, yeah. it's like gut impulse, gut impulse, gut impulse, gut impulse. And then you have, and then next thing you know, <laughs>
0: you're on stage. I was amazed when I was, cause, cause I was in the audience for your SNL hosting and, you know, we're all in masks Mm-hmm. And not, we're in masks. The people who work at Rockefeller Center are in, I don't even know what you'd call it. Hazmat suits. <laughs> it's like that's, it reminded me of the scene in E.T. where they're in, like, it's like medical professionals in and the they're plastic all in the tent. suits. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 and yes. So the staff of the show is all in that stuff. <laughs> we're in masks in the audience and you're on, you're just playing on stage. And I have to say, like, you know, he's an iconic figure in comedy, but seeing Lauren Michaels, who's been in the game for this many years Uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, just walking the floor, producing this show in real time. Mm -hmm. I was astonished. I was just like, my hat is off to that gentleman. I know
1: he, he really is. He is. He just knows what he's doing. It's funny. I think people don't know because what, what people he's had, this part of his resume has been so long. And yeah. has consumed so much of his life. I'm sorry, not consumed. Has been such a big part of his life that we, we forget. He had, he had a sketch show, a two-man sketch show yeah. in Canada called Lorne yeah. and Hart. He had a partner <laughs> whose um, first name was H-A-R-T. I think it's Hart <laughs> yeah. Pomerantz or something. And the year before they had their show, he, he, they were both writers on um Laugh-In. Wow. Which is, I think, amazing. Talk about yeah. iconic sketch shows. They were yes. both writers on Laughing, and apparently, it just didn't fit their sensibilities. So they went back home to Canada and got and had the Lorne and Hart show, which I, I like looking at these earlier pieces of Lorne's experience because he still does. He knows he knows what's funny. There are times where he'll make a little comment, and you'll go, "Really?" And then you try it, <laughs> and you go, "Oh, it worked! It worked! <laughs> <laughs> it worked!" Well, that worked.
0: That yeah, worked. Yeah. 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 No, he's. That's the biggest thing. I talked to Bill Hader. I talked to you know, Seth Meyers, is they go, the thing people don't realize about Lorne who are outside of the universe is that he's, he's so funny. He is, yeah, he really is. He's, he's seen as so serious and this iconic, serious producer, but actually, like, he's a
1: riot. And he even said, we were, we were, we were going through, we were shuffling through scenes up in his office, and he, was, and he turned to me at one point in time, and he just said, so, Keegan, which one do we want to do? You want to you do, <laughs> we want to do Hollywood Squares, or, or are we going to do um, or Muppets? And I said, and he said, because we can go either way. We can go, you know, social commentary here. It's important for the, <laughs> the time that we're living. Or really just silly, you know, kind of some silly, stupid shit. And, that, and to hear Lauren say the phrase silly, stupid shit. And I went, I really like the Muppet sketch, Lorne. He goes, oh hey, look, God. listen, I'm all for silly, stupid shit.
0: Oh, my God. And then he
1: ran over to the board and put it on the board. And, and you wouldn't expect to hear oh, those words come out, come out of that august mouth. You know yeah, what I mean? I love that. <laughs>
0: I love that sketch. I got, a re- I got a funny bunch of tweets from that sketch going, Is Mike Berbiglia doing the Kermit voice? <laughs> Did they really? Why would they ever think I'm doing the Kermit voice? That's my cameo in the episode. I do the Kermit <laughs> voice. <laughs> Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> When I look at your work, it's like you do action movies, you do comedy movies, you're now in Schmigadoon, the musical. It's like, straight up, and we're friends. Like, I'm curious, like, what can you not do? (laughs) I don't think of you as not being able to do anything. Because I'm like, okay, action, comedy, drama... Singing and dancing, like what? What else? What cannot you do? What cannot you do? What it, cannot you do? Who's what, 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 can, <laughs> what cannot, Keegan? I'm asking you. What cannot you do? What cannot you, cannot you do? do? Right you know, yes. What cannot you do?
1: I. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I. I have endeavors. Like there are people who I watch, and I go. I don't want to be just like them. But if I could find a way to tap into, like organically and truthfully, tap into the essence of, like I don't want Bill Murray's career, I don't wanna be Bill Murray, but there is such an ease that he brings to his work that I would love to uh, bring to my work. I I, I wanna, there's a a quality about uh, Bill Murray or Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks now more than when he was younger. When he was younger, he was kind of like a freight train. Sure. And I mean younger, younger. Bachelor. Bosom buddies. B- bosom buddies, bachelor, buddies, party, bachelor party. Um, Money pit. And then it all started shifting a little bit when he did Punchline, right? Yeah. And Man With One Red Shoe, there was this kind of energy that this great slapsticky energy that he had. But he and Bill Murray um, and Brad Pitt, they all have this I am enough energy that I love, yeah. that I want to lean into more. This sense of like, I think Marlon Brando had it too. There's this kind of, um, uh, 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 there, there has to be, I believe a supreme confidence within yourself that makes you go, you know what? I am infinitely interesting. So I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to do anything. I can just say these lines and I'm interesting enough that people will watch me.
0: Well when I was when I was shooting Sleepwalk with me and Carol Kane played my mom, yeah. she said, I'm gonna give you a piece of advice that Bill Murray gave me uh when really? we worked together years ago, which is she he said, Carol, you're just funny. You're just a funny person, and you don't need to do anything.
1: He just said is that what he said? He gave he gave her the yeah. he gave her the
0: He gave her the Janeiro. Yep. Don't you know, don't don't do anything. don't Do (laughs) anything. (laughs) I've never heard that as a De Niro. I didn't know that. That's
1: His big thing, I've heard him say about a film where there was a lot of natural talking, people were talking over each other, but he Uh didn't enjoy the film, and the reason he didn't enjoy the film was because nobody's listening. Nobody's listening to each other.
0: Oh. The
1: most important thing, the most important thing... Is you're listening. they should be listening, and that's what he's. That's his big thing. And you'll you'll watch him on reaction shots. That's why yes. it's very often you see De Niro yes. in the reaction shots because he's really genuinely
0: listening. It's amazing because I was watching someone put on TikTok the scene with you and Gillian from Don't Think Twice, yeah. where she's improvising and saying, "I'm in the well," yes, just leave, basically leave me in the well, and you're both crying. It's very emotional. But the thing you're describing about listening. Is is so much what makes the scene work? Yes,
1: because I I think also if you allow yourself to get, if you if you if you listen, you will start allowing yourself to get swept away by the given circumstances.
0: Yeah. So I think there's a famous line from Billy Wilder, uh, where I think Jack Lemmon maybe told this story about how Billy Wilder would say, "That was great, you know, great take." He would come in after the Mm -hmm. take, and he would go. Make less of it, you know? And then you do it again. You come back, great take. Just make less of it. And then finally, Jack Lemon says, says, uh, Billy, I feel like I'm not even acting here. And of course, he says, exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might be getting all the names wrong in this story. <laughs> I am might- like. <laughs> I might be literally getting every single person incorrect. However, the sentiment of it is exactly. Right. No, I, yes, the sentiment is, is taken. Yes. I, I, I am
1: absorbing it. You, you're the one that taught me from, remember when we were doing Don't Think Twice and you had mentioned something apocryphal about Brando, that Brando used to just kind of like chat with the crew Yes. and just keep chatting with the crew yes. and they right. say action and he keep chatting with the crew yeah. and then he go from chatting with the crew right into the dialogue yep. so that yep. there's yeah because the thing is you feel like you're it's like I'm just listening to this person and I that's the same I get that same feeling I'm not doing anything but you are you're listening
0: it's, it's seemingly contradictory advice um but even there's another there's another famous line from an inside the actor studio that I always think of, which is Al Pacino. They go, mm-hmm. what's the best piece of advice you could give to a young actor? And he goes, know your lines. <laughs> know your lines. Uh, <laughs> know your lines. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you upstage me? Just How go- <laughs> dare you upstage me on my own podcast geek? I
1: am sorry, Mike. I'm too You're gonna get SNL. know you're gonna
0: get SNL. <laughs>
1: I didn't even think once, let alone Oh, there, we are there,
0: there it, we are. there it is. There it is. <laughs> I'm gonna step away from my conversation with Keegan Michael Key to send a shout out to all form sofas. All right. As you know, I love Helix mattresses. But guess what? Helix mattress, like many people right now, is are they pivoting. Into different things. They're trying new things. Some people are trying knitting. Some people are trying claymation. Helix is making sofas, and they're amazing. Uh, I, I basically filled out my whole studio, working it out studio and office with their armchairs and love seats. Uh, they're amazing. They come in a box. like the helix mattress takes three to seven days to arrive in the mail you can assemble yourself in a few minutes no tools necessary they even offer a forever warranty just in case you believe in the concept of forever because keeping in uh, you know a larger conversation of time and space i don't know if forever really exists but if it does that's when it's guaranteed to to find your perfect self and check out allform.com slash All allform is offering 20% off all orders to our listeners at allform.com slash burbigs. And now back to the show. So, so this is a segment we do on the show uh, called The Slow Round. And one of the questions that we ask is, um, what's a piece of advice that someone has given to you along the way that you feel like you use all the time? Well, the new, a new piece
1: that's been very helpful for me that, I, that, I, that I'm working on every day is, is something I mentioned earlier, which is this sense that you are enough.
0: You, you're enough. You yeah. are
1: enough. You are yeah. enough. And, and remembering that because otherwise you find yourself um, in a place where you're performing all the time for other people as opposed to just being the essence of, of who you are. And, and and that's what really people want to connect with. They want to connect with you, with that's who right. you are uh, at, at your essence, as opposed to too much uh, top hat and cane. You, you know, yes. they don't want to see the yes. top hat, cane, spats, and taps is not what they're looking for. That's top hat, cane, spats, and taps. One of the best musicals ever from the 1920s. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a good turn of phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other another slow round question is: Do you have a smell from childhood? A really bad smell? Really good smell? That just sticks with you? Very good smell. Um,
1: Rockies. <laughs> it's called Rocky's Spice Company at Eastern Market in Detroit. Oh wow! And it you. It's one of these places. It's been there for about 130 years. And you open the front door, and it's a ping-ling-ling-ling-ling-ling. You know, you hear the, the little oh, bell yeah, on the door, sure. and, and just wafting through the air. Is uh, these gorgeous? uh, The smell that comes to me most is kind of like cloves and cinnamon mixed together. Mm. But then, as you walk up and down the uh, the aisles of the store, and also the creaky floor, but Rocky's Spice Company, oh, just comes to my mind.
0: That's fascinating because to me, a spice seems like a mundane smell, but it must be so pungent, so pungent,
1: so powerful because you're walking into ostensibly. Just a, 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 an enormous room full of bins of spices, and, yeah. and, and you would yeah you wouldn't expect that like it, pure spice pure spice pure spice old spice wow. new spice <laughs> fresh scent <laughs> pro sports scent
0: all okay. <laughs> oh, 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 the spices. <laughs> so, do you have a memory from childhood that ever is like sort of on a loop in your brain, but it's not even a story; it's just something that hits you sometimes.
1: I remember, there, there is, it's funny. There was, um, my neighbors, we, we had frozen some ice. We had like a little ice patch on their driveway. And we were just clowning around, we were kids. And I remember spinning around. Remember Curly Howard from The Three Stooges? Oh. He'd fall down on his arm and he'd go, whoop, 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 And he'd go in circles on his arm. And, yeah. we, and, and this ice patch, because you had no purchase... Yeah, I was just spinning around, and I remember it, <laughs> it, it, it pops up in my head occasionally because I remember it as a moment of pure joy. Yeah, and as we get older, those moments, unless you really focus on them, yeah, can become very fleeting. And yeah. I remember that as being a moment of pure joy of just spinning around in that little ice patch and and just and just going and and and. Um, I don't know why that's a benchmark for me. It's funny that it's also somehow connected to comedy. You
0: know what I mean? That's connected to the Three Stooges. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's connected to the Three Stooges. It's also like when Judd Apatow was on the podcast. We were talking about the that that the mundane, like in your case, like spinning on ice or or noticing the weather or noticing mm-hmm. the leaves on the mm-hmm. tree, noticing mm-hmm. the birds chirping. Like it's so almost. Uh, cliched of a thing to focus on but actually therein lies uh being present therein lies comedy therein lies like so much because that's because
1: i know when especially when we're doing key and peel and also when i was on mad tv you you know like you come back from we would come back from summer hiatus on key and peel we would come back from our winter break because we never had a hiatus it was like like a week like it was like 12 days, and then you're right back into the writer's room. Oh my gosh. But I remember on those summer hiatuses during Mad TV, it'd be fascinating because when you knew you were about three weeks out from going back to set, your antenna goes up. And your (laughs) your antenna (laughs) starts. You know what I mean? That's very funny. Like your antenna starts. You go, oh, oh, you have to dust off the antenna because the antenna has to come out and start looking for. Scene ideas and That's right. clash of context, all in the mundane. Yeah, and um, not that it was in e- in any way easy. I'm sure it felt like an insurmountable task at times. But when you wrote the new one, um, first of all, I never told you this. I love the title of the new one because <laughs> it was one of it was a, it was a way homer for me. It hit, yeah, it was like it was like a it, like it might have been a month and a half to two month way homer for me because I saw you do that show twice. And it was after both times I saw it that one day I just went, oh, "Oh my gosh, it's the new baby and the new show, which is also a a baby. The new one. And it it was so delicious that it hit me that way. And the new one is also me. And you're the new one. You've been transformed, too. New consciousness. The good thing is, now, is it... I'm asking you the question on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. That material... Is it easier to write when it's not mundane, when it's a brand new hyper novel thing that's happening to you, than oh. it is to, to, to mine something out of a relationship or goofing around with your brother in church?
0: It's a great question. I actually think I have an easier time writing about my childhood than I do about my present life. And it's because of, you're living it with the people still? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People ask me this all the time. They're like, how do I write? You know, I want to be a writer. How do I write about these people who are driving me nuts in my <laughs> life? And how do I make sure they don't kill me? You know, and it, it's hard. There's no way around that. If you're going to tell the truth about what's going on in your life, your perception is often like these people yep. are messing up a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the and, thing. And I think the trick with if it's not too far in your past, if it's in your present— is to always be finding the criticism of yourself at the same time as you're perceiving criticisms of others and giving equal weight to those. Stepping away from my conversation with Keegan-Michael Key to send a shout out to Freshly. Woo! I love a Freshly meal. Freshly offers. This is my very serious... Soft-spoken dinner voice. I'm very serious about dinner, so i got to have a serious dinner voice. Freshly offers, chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals, delivered fresh to your door. No this is when I get crazy. No cooking required? What? That's the key. They uh, have meals like steak peppercorn, sausage-baked penne, chicken pesto bowl. That's one of my favorites. It's healthy. You just make it in a few minutes. It's, uh, it's chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Freshly's offering our listeners 40 bucks off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash That's Freshly.com slash forbigs for 40 bucks off your first two orders. And now, back to Keegan-Michael Key. This is a, a piece of material I'm working on that's in process for my new show. I, a lot of the show is about going to the YMCA after avoiding going to the YMCA since childhood because I went a lot as a kid. Right, right. And so I return to the YMCA. I go to that first desk. Uh, there's basically th- three desks at the YMCA. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's th- it's th- the first desk is just to say, are you sure you meant to walk into the YMCA? Uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. goal the goal of the YMCA is yeah, yeah. to shake you from the YMCA. Okay. The second desk is sorry we missed that. Why are you here? <laughs> and the third desk is swimming. And, and the uh, third desk
1: is just swimming, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So that the
1: first desk is just you're here. Just you're so here. you know. Just so you know yeah, you're, you're here. Yeah. The second desk is welcome. We wanted to make sure you knew you were here, and this is where you wanted to be. Yeah, You yeah, want to yeah. be at the YMCA, right? Is that, is that where you wanted <laughs> yeah, to be? You know, yeah, yeah, Like, yes, I am at the YMCA. All right. Yeah, they don't even check your card at the first desk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah. the dudes like,
0: how you doing, man? <laughs> they want to make sure that you know you're not at Juice Generation. <laughs>
1: Juice Generation.
0: <laughs> and then it's the, and then there's swimming desk. And then maybe there's a universe where it's like, there's a fourth desk. I don't even go to that desk. I, 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 think, I don't even know what that desk is. Right, exactly. I think, actually,
1: I think there should be five desks. There yeah, should yeah, be yeah. a fifth desk, which lets you go through a portal to another dimension. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. To To the YMCA where there is no pool, they only have
0: a gym with hockey or whatever the case uh, yeah, is, yeah. Or like, there's a fifth desk that takes you to New York Sports Club. Right, <laughs> exactly. You're like it was right there the whole time. It's like a, it's like a thousand pound desk yeah. with no drawers. Right, right. <laughs> it's just and there. it's it's just a, literally Keegan. It's just a barrier between you and the YMCA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's like, I wonder. No purpose. No
1: purpose whatsoever. I love that. I love that.
0: So then I go in and I meet with the head of the swimming department, Vanessa, and she says, uh, Where's your swim cap? And I said, Oh, I've never worn a swim cap. True story. She goes, it's, mand- <laughs> it's mandatory unless you're completely bald. And I said, I don't like how you leaned on the word completely. <laughs> I'm not even remotely bald. I have four distinct tufts of hair that form a Voltron of hair that lies artfully atop my head. A Voltron. Uh, and this is the one I added recently. I go, oh, by the way, I've had this hairline since I was 15. I think my hair was like, it's stressful around here. We might need to lay off some strands. <laughs> I like lay off some strands. Lay off some strands. Lay off some strands. I love that. Oh, my God. That's good. So Vanessa says, in True Story, she goes, you can borrow my extra. So, so then I put on Vanessa's extra swim cap, which is when I became convinced I might be a contestant on a prank show called Vanessa's Extra Swim Cap, <laughs> where Vanessa's tasked each week with convincing a different unsuspecting stranger to put on her swim, a swim cap. cap.
1: I love, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love, I love that's a joke I've never heard. Like, I love the strands thing. It's stressful. Oh, it's stressful. This it, it, like meaning, meaning like it's stressful in this workplace. We're gonna have to lay off some strands. <laughs>
0: So then I have uh, I so I put on the prank show swim cap, and Vanessa says, yep, yep. "Hop in the instructional lane and show me your stuff." Full disclosure, I have no stuff. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I, said, I don't really know what I would show you. She said, "Whatever stroke you have." I thought the closest thing I have to a stroke is having a stroke. <laughs> so I hop so I hop in the instructional lane. It it looked like Keegan if you threw a blender into a pool. <laughs> I'm just blending the water as I sink to the bottom, and uh, and it was it was almost like a shark attack with no shark. No sh- <laughs> yeah, just screaming, thrashing, a little blood, a little, a little blood. <laughs> a little blood. Oh, it's, it's funny because it's like this whole section of like talking about swimming. Yeah. It's like it's three different metaphors, to be clear. Mm -hmm. It's, you got the stroke, you got the shark attack, no shark, and you got the blender. And I did it on stage the other night. I was like, they all work. They all work. Sometimes sometimes you can do three metaphors at the same time. I love a little blood, though. A little blood coming at the end.
1: It's like, because that's giving me great images. And then something that just occurred to me is instructional lame. It's so funny. Why would you give, why would you show her your stuff in the instructional lane. Yeah, that's true. Shouldn't you show your her stuff in a regular lane? Right. You right. Know, if, if you're on the Audubon. No. Right. It's like I'm here for the instruction. instruction. Give me the instruction. instruction. Right. Exactly. Don't put me in the instructional lane. Yeah. yeah. If I knew how well, to that, swim, why would I swim in the instructional lane?
0: That's funny. Maybe I should. Yeah. That's right. There might be something the, there. Yeah. Yeah. Of like. Of yeah. There yeah. There might be something of like. Um, by virtue of your question. Of asking me to show me your stuff in the instructional lane, I'm offended that you're not guiding me through this process a little bit exactly, more. Exactly, right, yeah. I don't, yeah, exactly. Like It's like, why
1: would you? Um, it seems like this is the lane you should be helping me with. A part, <laughs> <Yes. right? laughs> oh, I love that. You know, I something, really love that. something in that. Yeah, because you, you, you have to treat that. You have to treat the mundane like it's DEF CON 5. Right, yeah. that's what you have to do. You have to go. You have to obsess about it. It's a little, a little Larry David, isn't it? You have to obsess about like, why in the world would you call this the instructional lane? Why would <laughs> yeah. you ask me to show you my <laughs> swimming techniques in yeah. the lane where you're supposed to teach me swimming techniques? It, yes, you have to almost get outraged about it. So uh, get outraged about the mundane. It's finding a story. What I'm doing sometimes, which. I guess it's uh, I've been doing this more recently than I used to do is when I watch a show like your shows, because you're 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 such a an accomplished and deft monologist that that as you're coming to each new point, I'm trying sometimes to guess what you're going to say or guess what the twist is going to be. Yeah. Seldom am I right. And And I'm delighted by that. Wow! Delighted by the fact that I'm seldom right, and, and and then every now and again you'll put one in there that might be a little easier to follow, and then the viewer sits back on their laurels for a moment, and yes. then you get and then you get me three more times. It's really fantastic. It's a, you you craft these wonderful roller coaster rides, comedic roller coaster rides, and they're beautiful.
0: I appreciate it. I mean, I think that's why, and I think people on the journey of this podcast understand this at this point. We're you know, about 50 episodes in at this point, and so we're sort of beating the idea to death, this idea of, like, stand-up comedians uh, work on the same piece of material, the same 30-second joke, the same five-minute story for literally years. Yeah. To achieve the exact thing that you're describing, which is that there's a surprise around every corner, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. because I feel like if you go to a show, if you go to a comedy show, and there isn't a surprise around every corner, you go, "All right, now I'm ahead of it." Exactly, and, and it's the same thing in cinema
1: and in plays and in theater, where where a premise is set up, and then you kind of go. Or somebody I learned from somebody years ago, uh, you have to fulfill your promises. So in a a Mike Birbiglia show, there are some implicit promises. And the implicit promises are at one point in time, you're going to go, I know. (laughs) That's one implicit promise. And one of the other implicit promises is that you're going to always be a step to two steps ahead of me. You can't be three steps ahead of somebody. Yeah. Or they can't enjoy the joke because they're not catching up in time.
0: You know, what's, you know what, Seth, how my director, Seth, and I describe it similar to what you're saying? Three, one version of it is, is saying three steps ahead. Another is people always say, Mike, you do so many tangents in your show. And I say, it's true, but my rule with Seth, and this is why I was asking you about Key and Peele, if there were any rules. Our rule is we don't do a tangent on a tangent. Nice.
1: That's yeah. good. Yes, that was a key, that is a uh, without having ever articulated it, that is a key and peel rule. A key and peel rule has always been not a tangent on a tangent. The other big rule that we discovered early pretty early on was if you start the majority of your scenes at a one in the in the basis of reality, start at a one, something yeah. that everybody gets. Yeah. You can end up at 423 but you can't jump to 423. Do you know what I mean? And you also, <laughs> yes. you don't start a sketch at at, 80, at 87. Don't start yes. at 87. Go 1, 12, yeah. 36, 87, 143, 290, uh, infinity, Googleplex. If you earn the right to go nuts, if you start in a place where everybody understands what's happening.
0: It's so funny because that actually reminds me precisely... Uh, it reminds me precisely of a thing that Ian Roberts, who wrote for Kean Peel and produced Kim Peel, taught me and others in, a, in an improv workshop in my 20s, and he basically wow. said he basically said something similar to what you're saying, which is like, he's like, "Look, he goes, "If there's a rat <laughs> if there's a rat in your closet, you could just kill the rat." And then you don't have an improv scene. Right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or you could devise a plan. <laughs> how do we get rid of the rat? Right. And what if we got dynamite? And how would you rig mm-hmm, the dynamite mm-hmm. in the floor so that your landlord doesn't know it's happening? And then you're in a scene. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Nichols
1: said that uh, drama is a general thing and comedy is a specific thing. Yes. And the reason that I thought of that is because of what Ian said. Uh, if you're just discussing suicide, yeah, that's dramatic. But if the person go- decides how they're going to do it logistically, there is a world where that can exist comedically. So, yeah. so he says the guy looks for the gun, he finally finds the gun, and then he realizes are you kidding me? I don't have any bullets. So then you yes. has gotta go and get in the car and drive to the store to get the bullets. But they say here at the store, you have a policy where you have to um, do this to get the bullet. You have to have an ID to get the bullets. Well, I can't, can I just buy blanks? Can I just buy the blanks? And, yeah. and, and, and then you have a whole negotiation at the store about how to get the bullet. So once you get into the, again, once you get into the mundanity of doing yes. it, the, the uh, comedy emerges. Yeah, it's really fun. it's fascinating because and that's what Ian is saying is there's got to be a plan and then what's yeah. this and is there going to be lumber and where the hell do I even buy dynamite and it's
0: it, yes yeah, yeah yes yeah even though even though the things can be dramatic elements can be dramatic story elements look look at look at
1: uh, one of I think one of the greatest things Jordan's ever done for the world of comedy is write the slave auction sketch. Yes. Because it, it was a challenge for himself. How do I make a, a, subject, a subject matter like this funny? Well, the key, first of all, is you don't make the subject matter funny. Yes. You make the, the mundane within the subject matter funny. It, yeah. it's, a ske- it's a sketch about vanity more than it's yeah. a sketch about slavery. It's yeah. a sketch about if somebody if, – if, if you and somebody else were standing at Home Depot and one of the employees walked up and then went and asked the first guy what he needed instead of asking yeah. you – yeah. You would take umbrage. So yes. the thing is, whether you're being sold <laughs> on the slave yes. market or not, like, yes. well, what's wrong with me? I'm strong. What? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you know, what I mean? yes. the fact that he yes. found that angle is absolutely brilliant.
0: Well, yeah, it's almost like you take these wide sweeping things, like the slave auction. You're saying, like, and you go, like. We've historically we've read in history books about how this happens in a very broad, dramatic mm-hmm, way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is gut wrenching, but it's general. And what we're saying, what what you and Jordan are saying, is basically like. Let's get into the specifics of this. What does this feel like? What's, yeah. the, what's, the, what's the silliness within this insane macro
1: element? Right, right. that's exactly it. And I think, I think that's a perfect, I think that sketch is a great example of Mike's point. Yes. Where, also where, it's also a great example of Ian's point. You could just open the door and chuck a trap in there. Yes, That's right. Keith Johnstone would say that too. Keith Johnstone would be really big about that. Like there was a a concept that he used called bridging where he didn't want anyone ever to bridge. Bridging was if you came up to a creek, um, you uh, uh, appeared at a creek, the creek is about a foot long. You could literally just jump across the creek if you wanted to. But what a lot of young improvisers do is they're afraid to commit to the next moment. So they come to the creek, but then they decide right. to go back to the trailhead, get in their car, go buy lumber, come back, get nails and hammers, and build a bridge over the creek instead of just jumping over the creek because what's on the other side of the creek is unknown. They oh don't want to yes. go to
0: the unknown, you know? You know what's amazing? And we'll wrap up on this. But like what that reminds me of when we were in rehearsal and Liz Allen was teaching you and me improv. Yep. And I bring it up because Keith Johnstone wrote this book called Impro mm-hmm. about improv. There we and go. It's a classic improv book text. And uh, you and I did this scene where either I was a dog or you were a dog. And- you, were, you were the dog and I was the owner. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And it's, and, I, and, um, and it's, it's very sad and it was very, very dramatic sad. because I was dying. Yeah. I was the dog who was dying and you were, and this is the key thing about it and sort of what the macro takeaway from it is. I committed to being a dying dog and you committed to being a crying owner. Yep, Yeah. And we did not go for the jokes, we lived in the thing. And it's, I remember the scene to this day. Me too, I remember that scene to this day. It's, it, it, it to me is one of,
1: it's one of the scenes where I did, I let the given circumstances take me where it wanted to go, as opposed to me wrestling the given circumstances back into a place of comfort. Yeah. And because I remember you saying, it's gonna be okay. It's okay for me to go. Yeah, and, yeah. And, oh every, and every time I tried to soothe you, you stopped me because it gave you pain.
0: Yeah.
1: I couldn't soothe you through a physical act. And, yeah. and, it, and it, it re- that resonated with me so much. I'll never it, forget that scene.
0: Yeah. I'll never of course forget that it, scene. And it, of course, echoes loosely the stuff with you and Gillian and the show in hindsight mm-hmm. and in hindsight, the film oh, yeah, in absolutely. the film you're right you're because we're at- letting go of each other and you and Gillian's character are letting go, go of, of each, each other. other right yeah. and, and, and there's nothing to
1: be done there was no. nothing to be done except that thing
0: we're going to wrap up on the thing called working it out for a cause where I'm going to contribute to a nonprofit uh, that you think is doing a good job right now.
1: Yes. Well,
0: here's here's something. Here's one. Um,
1: there is a foundation called the L and Keegan Michael Key Foundation, and what we do is right now we are writing individual hardship grants
0: for oh, for
1: people who have been hit hard by the pandemic, oh, um, that's amazing. and and people that are having uh, medical issues and stuff because of the pandemic and um, they're trying to get out from under those
0: issues. That's amazing. I'm gonna contribute to them. And I will say like, when I was working on voting stuff during the election, encouraging people to vote, I dropped you and the whole cast of uh, our movie a note about it. If anyone wants to be involved with this, And you were 10 steps ahead of me. You had made a video (laughs) for your college and your high school and all this stuff. You're just, you and Al both are just extremely kind and socially conscious people. I appreciate you as friends. I'm inspired by you as artists and, uh... Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Mike. This was a this was it was nice. This is, I mean, if this is the way we're going to hang out, I'll take it. Well, we we got to make that next movie soon, then. You Keaton. got that right, buddy. Let's try to figure. <laughs> let's try to figure that out. <laughs> don't think, don't think thrice. Don't think thrice. <laughs> I love it. Working it out, cause it's not done. We're working it out, cause there's no. That's going to do it for another episode well, yeah, of Working It Out. It out. How about that Keegan Michael Key? Uh, just one of the most fascinating, smartest, analytical people I've ever encountered. I hope to work with him again many times in the future. You can follow him on Instagram at Keegan Michael Key and watch Schmigadoon on Apple+. Plus. It is a joyous comedy musical ride. <laughs> it sounds like I'm a reviewer. It is a romp. It is a comedy romp. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Perbiglia consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to Mike consigliere Mike Berkowitz as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks as always to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. They have new music out right now that you should check out. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. As I said, our book, The New One, comes out on paperback in September, so support your local bookstore and join us for our virtual event. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created my radio fort. And thanks most of all for you who are listening and writing the little Apple podcast reviews, which is really the best way to tell your friends and even to tell your enemies. Because we're working it out in, in real time. It's happening right here. See you next time, everybody.